Hello, Harry. Hello. 
Yeah, sure. So I'm currently doing, as as you said, I'm currently doing my A-levels. I study geography, history, French and sociology. Um, and I, well, I'm like everyone, I suppose, who's doing A-levels at the moment, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's quite difficult trying to sort of manage the workload we're getting without having that teacher guidance and also we're coming up to now when we're planning our university applications and everything uh, which uh, for me because I'm applying to or I want to apply to Oxford uh, mine's got to be in by the 15th of October so obviously it's starting to ramp up in terms of applying to university um, and we don't have that same level of guidance from teachers or face-to-face guidance as perhaps previous years have had so it's it's a bit of a shame and quite annoying that we don't have that face-to-face help for our personal statement for preparing for interviews and things like that so it's in terms of that aspect of it as well I think that's people just see the um, education side of it at the moment there's a lot that we should be doing now for university that we're not getting as much of so that's quite a shame for us as well. I'm here with Joel from Get Real Now. Um, We are here with Jan as our guest today. He is the Secretary General of the Guild of European Research Intensive Universities. And maybe we start uh, by asking you to introduce yourself and your work a little bit. Yeah, my name is Jan. Um, As you mentioned, um, I represent uh, 20 research intensive universities from all over Europe. Uh, in Brussels and uh, we of course we're all about a collaboration between universities but our main purpose is to bring the concerns and um, ideas of universities to policymakers in Brussels to the European Commission and the Council and the European Parliament and so right now for instance the most obvious example is that uh, at the time of uh, COVID-19 you know how universities can help bring solutions uh, in response to the crisis is a a really important concern and that's what we're in in a constant dialogue um, with with the commission. Um, Now that we're seeing a lot of um, online education um, appearing and having to take, you know, having to really step up its game, um, how do you feel um, online education providers can really step up their game in terms of online education? Because some people, um, some people really do benefit from um, learning online, but I feel other people um, are, are better off actually in the classroom. So what do you think um, where do you find a, where do you see a compromise there between the two? Um, so I think that compromises that balance is going to shift. I think as a result of the um, COVID experience. So we are we are we have all of a sudden almost overnight uh, as a university sector gone a hundred percent online uh, in terms of our teaching and learning. And um, that means we've done things that we never thought we could do, actually, or certainly we didn't think that we could imagine, could do immediately uh, so quickly. Um, you know, teach an entire class online, do examinations online in the way that we've done. But I think with that also come lots of experience about what doesn't work so well. Um, so we are, I think, real- realizing afresh um, that there are huge um, problems in terms of online access. What do you do when people can't afford their own computers as students? Um, how do you ensure that people are assessed fairly and equitably in, in the situation of, of the digital environment? So there are a whole range of questions that have popped up in you, but I suspect we, we are moving to a system whereby we realize we can do far more online, but I don't think that will ever really replace the face-to-face. Um, uh, that is still, I think, a really important element of what we do. Okay, so what would you say has worked very well, and what would you say has worked? You know, that's just that was that was a very bad idea. It didn't work. Just just one thing from each. One good thing. One bad thing. So I think what we can see is how actually we can through that how through relatively simple means that are relatively 
already available through simple technologies that we can all use now, Zoom and, and, and a whole range of other providers, how we can actually put lectures online. We need to obviously change how we think uh, about the delivery, but by and large, we can, you know, academic colleagues have adapted incredibly quickly to, to making these work and really interacting with their students and setting up new online digital support platforms for students in, in really imaginative ways. And I think that's, that's really worked very well. Um, I think challenges we've seen um, really around uh, examinations. I think that's been the cause of huge anxiety for students. It's been a huge challenge for staff to, to, to really uh, shift to online examinations quickly, but in a way that's really equitable, that doesn't create injustices and that doesn't cause detriments to the students. And that is, I think, an, an area of, of very big challenge for the future. Yeah. So what would you say would be, it has been um, the biggest difficulty when it comes to um, assessments and students? Because I know a few students who are, who are at the moment um, in their examination period, and many of them were very left very confused about um, what was actually going on with their exams and how they would actually do their exams. So what, what, what has been done? So I think what, what's been really challenging is that, um, of course, this, you know, this has been a, an era of huge uncertainty. And, and of course, um, students quite, quite, understand, quite understandably wanted uh, universities to act immediately and, and come up with the answers immediately. And that hasn't been possible because universities themselves had to get used to, to all the challenges and issues around online examinations. Now, that has meant that um, uh, some examinations haven't been um, um, put on. So in other words, the, they, have, they have been replaced. And I think that's, that's been welcome, I think, on the whole, where possible. But there are, for instance, finally examinations that have simply had to take place um, in, in many instances. And so there, there are questions around how do you make sure that the new forms of, of assessment actually fairly assess everybody, that, that people have an opportunity to do these examinations when they may not have the, the access to the libraries in the way that they might have planned, mm. um, when they will have missed maybe um, a one or two weeks of content. Um, this has been, in, in the UK, this has been complicated by the, by the strike um, that's been going on just before the COVID outbreak. Um, and that's caused um, some third-year students to, to miss a lot of content. So there, there have been huge issues about how do you actually make this work in a way that really makes sure that the university can be satisfied that the work is the student's own work um, yeah. and that, that the students um, you know feel satisfied that the examination that they thought they were getting will have changed completely and that they feel they can still really um, show show their best um, can show their best in in that situation as we know it's uh, it's a difficult time especially in the UK with regard to the Corona um, situation, especially for young people studying, going to school, etc. What is your personal experience? What does your day look like right now? So I have the chance of having um, not much uh, in terms of education. Like I'm, I'm done with pretty much everything. I only have one exam to pass uh, to sit in uh, in the summer. Um, so for now, it's I'm mostly using this time to learn as much as I can on the legal system, uh, the different issues and problematics that have arisen in the last few months uh, in terms of the law, uh, notably on uh, open, um, open justice and remote court hearings. So I'm mostly just trying to use this time to learn as much as I can uh, and to be ready um, to start uh, my legal career in the, the next uh, few months. I've set quite a, a regimented schedule for myself. Uh, I make sure I'm at my desk by, say, 9am each morning and I 
work through to maybe four, five o'clock in the evening with regular breaks as I would at school. So I try and keep it as similar to my schooling as it would be if I were, if it weren't virtual learning and just having that having that structure doing the lessons the day I would have to do the work and just making sure that I keep in that mindset of keeping the work doing because I know a lot of people at the moment aren't as regimented as perhaps they should be there sort of not getting up till 10 or so and it's I don't want to sink into bad ha- I don't want to sink into bad habits because it will be so hard to get back into it when we do go back <laughs> That does make sense. So um, are you talking to your peers? Are they feeling uh, the same as you do? Are they more concerned falling into bad habits, as you say? So, yeah, I think for a lot of them, it's I, I'm quite lucky. And as one of my friends said the other day, I've got quite a strong work ethic. So I'm quite I'm quite used to this. I spent a lot of time last year uh, with my GCSEs working a lot, working very hard for them. Um, and it's just getting back into that. But I know a lot of people who like that environment in our sixth form where you have people around you all the time you're working with your peers a lot of them are struggling with being alone and doing that work and that's quite a big struggle for some people how will your some of your peers finding the lack of a classroom environment versus um a virtual environment because some people really do benefit from being in the classroom whereas people like me i i can't stand i i really didn't do well with um virtual classrooms yeah, for sure. I know a lot of people I've talked to are just struggling that idea of not having anything around them and that not inability to just put your hand up and ask the teacher a question and having to wait for a reply. And I know that some people are finding that really difficult. Um, I'm quite lucky in that I've got, from last year when I did my GCSEs, I got experience of that independent learning, not having people around me because I was so regimented back then when I was revising. Um, but I know people who perhaps didn't do as much revision in their GCSEs and now finding it really hard now because they've never had to do independent learning. They've always had that structure of a school day around them to do that learning. And now it's really hard for them to get into these habits all of a sudden. Um, I guess you're quite old, so to speak, already, but uh, do your parents play any role in this or other students' parents um, you may know of? Yeah, so obviously less of a role than perhaps we've heard about uh younger children whose parents have been fully homeschooling them but it's in, for my parents it's more in the terms of just providing or giving me the ability to do the work that I need to do giving me the space uh, since Monday I've moved into now that both my parents have been furloughed I've moved into the office upstairs which is really nice just having that quiet place to do my work and they also help to make sure I'm not overworking myself as well. So making sure I take regular breaks um, and things like that and eating and stuff. So it, it, they, they do play a quite an important role, I think, less less so than perhaps for younger children who where parents are playing an important role in actually teaching the work, but more in terms of just keeping me in good habits in terms of not doing too much work and having a nice environment in which I can work. I was going to say, do you think COVID's um, been kind of beneficial for you, finding out what your learning style is like, how you learn, how you how independent you are with your learning? I think in a, in a, in a way it has been, because as well, in our future, in my future careers, there's going to be a lot of times when perhaps I'm going to have to work from home. I think that's probably one of the takeaways from this whole thing, that a lot more jobs can be done from home than people realise. So I think in my future life, there's going to be a lot of emphasis a lot of the time on working from home so this period probably been quite useful for me to get experience in that and understand how I work 
when I work from home. And it's been quite nice as well just to have that flexibility with my learning. So if I'm, I'm quite, I like my history and if I'm reading the history textbook and I find something interesting that I want to do more reading into, I've got my laptop in front of me and I can spend some time doing some extra reading. So it's quite nice to have that flexibility with my learning, actually. But with regard to applying for jobs afterwards, do you think that will oh. be an issue? Or also with regard to your status yeah. in the UK, will that be an issue? Can you not stay if you don't find a job? Anything like that? Um, so it's um, it's mostly just, um, it's quite difficult to get a job at the moment, obviously, given the current situation. Um, a lot of um, a lot of firms, um, especially in the law firms, because because I can talk about it because I had um, experiences with them trying to apply for jobs or getting in touch with people, and a lot of people are just uh, saying at the moment that they are not um, recruiting anyone. They are not. Um, they are closing some vacancy because they can't they can't fulfill it, and they have either no time or not enough people to try and recruit um, new um, new employees. So at the moment, everything is a little bit frozen. Um, I've been told that quite a few times by uh, some recruiter in the, in, the legal, um, in the legal sector who are actually saying that, yeah, at the moment, everything is just really frozen and it's really hard to um, get a job. And on a more social um, point of view, uh, what is it like now to, to be at home? Did you participate in lots of clubs or societies or uh, any kind of hobbies uh, which you cannot now? And does that what kind of impact does it have on you? Yes, I'm not I'm not a particularly sporty or performing arts person, but I the week the week after schools broke up, actually, I was meant to be in London for the finals of um, the mock trial competition, the national finals, which is a sort of uh, mock up of a court trial. And we got through to the finals uh, in November. We were really looking forward to competing. So it was a real shame that they were cancelled because it was going to be a really good opportunity for us, for me as a as a mock lawyer to deliver Uh, to the old Bailey, which would would have been a really good experience. So it's a shame that that's that's not going on. And then um, I I try and as I'm head boy now uh, at my school, so I I do play quite a big role in the community life of my school. So it's quite a shame that I didn't get to do, for example, the end of term speeches at the assemblies and things like that. And then more just generally in terms of being social with my friends, it's missing out on now those teenage rites of passage of going down the park with your mates or going out. Um, and on the town with your friends to Nando's or having parties and things, these sort of things that teenagers should be getting to do. And it's a shame that we're missing out on sort of maybe a few months of doing that. Do you think this might be, um, be as you said, for the workplace, this might be like a, an example of how this will be going on in the future, but that might also be the case for schooling in general. If in the future, maybe there would be less uh, in-person Uh, education at schools as well, or at least the option to do so. I mean, some people are already doing homeschooling. Uh, that's one thing. But but maybe in general, do more education online, maybe even at university level. Do you think that would happen? And if so, do you think that would be a good thing for you personally, or maybe the majority of people? I think I think that's a very good point. Actually, I can I can see a time when um, a lot more work is going to move online. Uh, even if it's within school, I can see much more homework because all of our homework at the moment is set online. But I can see more reliance on online learning and uh, learning from home from now on because I think teachers are more trained with it now. They've had to become more apt at um, 
using the internet to set work, students have become more used to it. So I think I think there's definitely quite a good opportunity there for it to be exploited and used as a as a way to change change the way we learn. As you say, um, workplaces are looking at doing things similar. And I think if this shows that it works, it's definitely something to explore. And it'd be really interesting to see um, when the exam results come out next year for, for us uh, as A-level students and for the GCSE students, how that differs and how it varies, because there's been a lot of talk about um, the impact this could have on our uh, exams next year. So it could be that there could be for some students a positive impact of that, but then for others it could be a negative impact. So I think it'll be really weighing up what what's, what the situation is when we get the results next year as well. But would you enjoy it personally to do more education from home? I mean, obviously you then could have your social life if there wasn't a pandemic, but um, just in general, also maybe at university level. I th I think it's def I think we could strike a better balance perhaps between face-to-face um, -face and online learning, and it's it's something that could could be an interesting idea I definitely and I definitely at university level I'm not so accustomed with the university education of course but um, I know that a lot of the time there are very few lectures a week for certain subjects I'm looking at studying history and there's not I know for a lot of universities you wouldn't you don't have many contact hours so virtual learning is definitely becoming a very big part of university education I think this will just force it even further because from what I've heard universities definitely aren't going back till September and even then it's questioning whether um, that will be online by September whether they'll even be allowed back to university by then so I think at definitely university level this is going to become more commonplace and I think there's going to have to be a starting to explore potential for it to be in secondary and further down the education system as well. I think the UK sector generally is, is um, I think, amongst the leading sectors in Europe when it comes to distance learning. Um, there are, two, to my knowledge, there are as many or even more students uh, learning for UT, UK degrees outside the UK than inside. So I, I, think, I think I'm right in saying this. Um, and so the UK university sector collectively has a huge amount of experience in this, in this space. You mean in the UK in particular? Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe uh, on that note, Joel, if you want to go back to the European question, can you go? Uh, yeah. So, so I was just wondering, um, how do you feel other countries have have done in their approach to um, meeting the needs of COVID education? Um, is uh, there is their current approach better, worse, or would you say they're all moving at the same pace in general? Um, I. I I, well, I would say that the difference is less than I would have assumed, uh, simply because um, um, most lecturers wouldn't have prepared, or professors, or however you wanted to call them, uh, would not have thought of putting on um, all of their courses online, and suddenly they've all had to do it, and they've all had to work more or less with the same technology, and they've all had to think about the way they do this therefore in broadly similar, way, similar ways. And so what I see in my universities is that a lot of departments have created kind of self-help fora, you know, WhatsApp group for the academic staff to try and share best practice as quickly as they can um, so that, uh, and, and, and to really think through how they can support students uh, in new ways and also um, 
bring out content in, in new ways through these through these new format through these new formats. So um, I I think one can exaggerate the difference between um, universities as they've been uh, confronted with 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 this crisis and the questions, for instance, around examinations. How do you ensure fairness of examinations? Um, is it possible maybe to replace some examinations with other forms of of learning and assessment? Um, these are questions that every university is now uh, confronted with in, in pretty similar ways. So, so would you say that um, would you say on uh, education was always moving this way, except now COVID has just really jumped it up a bit? Yes. So, so um, in 2018, for instance, at the level of the EU, the European Commission proposed uh, the Digital Education Action Plan, which uh, really had a focus on online learning, and it, it saw. Uh, it foresaw many of the issues that we need to be thinking about when it comes to digital education. Um, now it's, it's currently revising this plan in light of current experience and all the issues that it's mentioned um, are really have really come out to the fore um, and, and will really need to be addressed in, in a much more concentrated uh, way. And, and again, I think the from what I'm hearing from the sector, it's, it's very clear that online education is, is no panacea. It doesn't solve everything and the face-to-face the -face is really critical. Um, but uh, but this has really accelerated our thinking about what is possible um, and also understanding what isn't possible. No, that that's a very good um, final word, so to speak, to this podcast episode. Brilliant. Joel, anything from yeah. you? I'm done with my questions as well. Cool. Perfect. Good. So thank you so much so for up. joining us. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and we much. will edit everything together and... Uh, publish this and so everyone who is listening to this can get back to us, ask questions and uh, we will share and keep you informed and then later also compare with the podcast which were recorded in other countries. Great stuff. Okay, thanks okay, a lot. Bettina. Thank you. Thanks, bye Joel. Bye. bye. Thank, you thank you very joining. much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. bye.